Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it was my birthday recently, so I got some new podcasting equipment, and uh, hopefully this all this whole thing sounds better now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got I got the microphone for my birthday, and you got the microphone for your birthday. So that's right. We're uh, you know evolving, evolving in podcast equipment. It only very, took very... it only took a year and a half for both of us to get microphones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if as, as long as you don't count uh, a computer as a microphone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good things uh, from the uh, from the current side of things. And yeah, very, very happy to I was very happy to see it when you joined the Zoom call with the with the headset <laughs> on. Yep. Very, very cool to see. Uh, so, yeah, past few days, not not a not a crazy amount to talk about. Um, there was uh, one IL designation that uh, probably Took place probably you know could could uh, bring bring some headlines. Uh, Bryce Harper, who had been struggling about a week beforehand for you know about for about a whole week uh, beforehand, uh, sent to the IL. What was the injury that he had? Um, I was an oblique. I want to say I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. I don't know. Uh, let me check it right now, actually. Um, but I mean, he's kind of had some, some misfortunes with his injuries this year. Cause he obviously got hit in the face. Uh, oh, it was a four, it was forearm, uh, contusion. Forearm yeah. contusion. He's on the 10 day IL eligible to return on June 2nd. Uh, as of right now, he doesn't have a timetable, obviously. Uh, I wonder when happened. that when that occurred. Uh, it happened. It happened in late. So it happened on April twenty eighth, and ever since then he's slashing two eleven, three eighteen, three sixteen with a six thirty four OPS. Uh, the Phillies are five and ten in his starts, which I mean I don't know how much you can specifically blame it on him, but he was also like over his last thirteen or something like that. So I mean, it was pretty clear that something was wrong uh, this past weekend. Yeah, when he was in playing the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, he was he was 0 for his last 16 with yeah. 10 strikeouts. Clearly, yeah, something was very very off, you know. Uh, his OPS went down from 1030 to 830 884 in what is it, 7 games, 8 games. In 8 games it went from 1030 to 884. Yeah. Uh, you know, very very drastic uh measures uh, being your very, very drastic, uh, difference there from Bryce mm-hmm. Harper. Um, 
you know the the Philly the whole NL East is is very interesting. Uh, you know the Phillies to to point to point out in that 0 for 16 stretch the Phillies were 0 and 4. Uh, not necessarily saying that that is you know correlation correlation doesn't always equal causation of course. No. Uh, but I'm you know it does take a burden on the lineup. Uh, they're kind of a mostly right-handed lineup in general, uh, if I'm thinking about it correctly. So it does kind of stink not to have a, a power left, left-handed bat mm-hmm. uh, that, that you signed up for. Especially when JT Romuto also went on the IL uh, a couple weeks ago yeah. at this point. Right, right. Uh, like you don't have, you know, those are basically the, like two of the highest paid players on your team that can't field right now. Um, so, you know, the Phillies are going to have to go through a tough stretch. Uh, they had a heartbreaking loss on the Marlins last night on John birdie, having a go ahead two run single. And I believe the eighth or something like that. So, you know, they're going to have to rely on, you know, the Gene Segura's on the team, the Andrew McCutcheons, uh, the Zach Eflin's, the Vincent Velazquez's, you know, the guys who aren't, you know, usually in the middle of that lineup or in the top of that rotation, you know, that's, that's how they're going to survive right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some of the potential sub- substitutes for them. And yeah, you do point out, yeah, I'm pretty sure Harper and Real Muto are their two highest paid position players on the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, those guys are 28 and 30. It's not like a, a Pujols or Cabrera situation where uh, they're, you know, they're, they just happen to be highest paid and not the best players on the team. They're probably also uh, your two best position players to go along with. Uh, two highest paid players. Um, I'm looking at uh, Brad Miller, who I'm, I'm not sure how many, how many starts he's been getting. I think he was signed mostly as a guy that could come off the bench. Um, but I that's think that's kind of, yeah, what he's been through the last few years. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, on May 20, yeah, he's played a uh, right field and left field each of the past three games and you know he's been doing pretty well all season uh 318 average with a 909 ops so i think that's your kind of your substitute that's excellent the best best substitute you can have for bryce harper in that lineup or actually let me go back to where he was in the order uh yeah and i mean without harper uh last night on uh or no uh two nights ago yeah two nights ago may 25th he was third in the order so that's who they're going to be relying on in the middle of the order. And, you know, not the worst substitute in the world either. No, not at all. Um, so I guess that's what Phillies fans have to uh, rely on. I remember Miller was one of the latest signed free agents. We were talking about him in uh, one of our last uh, one of our last news episodes. Yeah, it was like a random re-sign in like March. Yeah, it was a it was like the last. Uh, news off-season episode before we did uh, previews where we, we were talking about all the remaining free agents. Yeah, that's right. And he had a good year in St. Louis, but, um, you know, the flyer wasn't really out on him. And the Phillies took him took him back uh, from, you know, he was with, with them in 2019, did well with them in 2019, and looking like he's doing uh, pretty good in 2021. But, uh, yeah, Harper, I don't know how long he's going to be how, how long is going to be out for? It doesn't seem like I hope it's not major. too long. I don't think it's going to be. I think he'd be back by All Star break. 
all-star break. That's I'd say so. That's a, it's still a pretty long time. If he's, if he comes back in say July, if you, if you mm-hmm. miss a whole month, yeah, that's uh that could be a, that could be a lot. Um, but Brad Miller is kind of the guy that you hope if you're a Phillies fan can uh, provide, provide that safety net. Uh, anything more on the injury? Nothing really. No. All right. So or actually now I'm kind of curious as to what JT Real Muto timetable is. Uh, uh, I don't think there's, I don't think he has one right now. Yeah. Not, not great. Especially in the first year of his contract. Yeah. But uh, since this has been kind of a slow news week thus far, we were kind of talking about subjects to go over before the show and uh you know it's not quite time to talk about buyers or sellers at the trade deadline quite yet but there are some i guess you would say bubble teams right now in terms of we don't exactly know the direction they're going in and uh, i think the most notable teams we came up with was uh cubs and twins uh cubs you really didn't like they were uh, reigning division champions or they are reigning division uh, champions in the NL central. However, they got rid of you Darvish and they also, uh, yeah, they got rid of uh, you Darvish and Victor Caratini, not the biggest deal in the world. Um, but, you know, still reigning NL central champions. How are they going to fare? And, you know, they've been kind of the middle of the road, but they've won eight of their last 10. And then the other team is the Twins, who we had, you know, two, three-time reigning division champions in the AL Central. However, they started the season uh, extremely poorly. They started uh, like 17 and 29 or something like that, but there's still optimism to be had. But I think we're going to talk about the uh, Cubs first. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So the Cubs, they have won eight of their last 10. Uh, they're 25 and 22. They are half a game out of the NL Central race. And they, you know, what helped out with what helped out in that way was uh, they won two out of three against the Cardinals uh, in St. Louis, which was a huge, huge deal. And in their last 10 games, Ian Happ has been leading the way, hitting 333. With an, 11, with an 11.65 OPS. He was one of my slightly alarmings earlier in the season. He was uh, he's the inaugural winner of the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. Yeah, because, you know, the, the point of that uh, the point of that award is high walk rate, but doing nothing to produce offensively pretty much. But now he's actually producing offensively, 11.65 OPS in his last 10 games. One of my other slightly alarmings, uh, previously in the season was Kyle Hendricks but in his last two starts in this you know cub cubs 10 game stretch he's allowed two earned runs in 14 and two-thirds innings pitched and this was actually what shocked me is the bullpen in this in the last 10 games has allowed zero earned runs in 34 and a 34 and two-thirds innings pitched along with a 1.66 fip uh that's pretty crazy that's very very good it's yeah like i did not expect that from the cubs bullpen especially when you look at what the cubs rotation looks like you know you mentioned kyle hendricks he's been 
putting it back together a little bit, you know, between him, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, uh, all these guys, you know, Albert Alzale, who's been, who is my guy to watch, you know, you don't really have a lot of star power in this rotation. So if you can make up for it with a bullpen like that, like you're going to win games that you don't expect to win going into it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell's had a resurgence this year. He was one of my, uh, how about that? So I, I have been, I guess, sort of paying attention to you the uh, Cubs this year. I've had multiple how about that's and multiple slightly alarmings from the Cubs already this year. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so they're, yeah, now they're 25 and 22 or 26 and 22. Uh, baseball reference was not up to date with that. And yet I believe, yeah, half a game out of, out of the central. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, who knows if they can sustain success. Uh, it's kind of a weird roster. Like you mentioned, the, the rotation is not, is definitely not what it was like a couple of years ago at all. No, but I mean, and, it's a very high bar to be set. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the offense, we don't look at it the same way either. Um, I hate to bring this up because this has been a talking point throughout baseball for years now, but how happy do you think the Cubs are right now that they manipulated Chris Bryant's service time? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it definitely worked out. For, it's definitely been working yeah. out for them. And I mean, it's worked out for Chris Bryant as well, because if he went into free agency last season, you know, coming off of, uh, an injury riddled down year, you're not going to get as much value as he's going to this year because he's, he's got what a 200 something weighted runs created plus this year. He's been one of the best hitters in the league. Uh, you know, he's proven to be back and he's going to get a lot more money probably this off season than he would have in free agency. And, you know, I know that this it could be lighting in a bottle because he is older and he might not get as many years, but I mean, you know, he's going to cash out and he's going to do it a lot better than he would have, uh, if he, if the service time manipulation never happened, which is crazy to think about in hindsight. Yeah, very much so. Uh, that's yeah, it is very true how it kind of went down in a good way and a bad way. Cause he's kind of the poster boy for, for service time manipulation. Yeah. The guy hit, I think nine home runs in spring training, which mm-hmm. is extremely hard to do. And then you know, and he was already regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball. He made his debut on like April 16th. Yep. And uh, yeah, if you if you look on his baseball reference page, uh, his service time through the end of 2020 is five, five years. 5.071. Five years, 171 days. And the uh, the days required to get a full year of service time is 172 days. So they milked yeah. it uh, as long as they could or, or no, actually I mean, as short as they could technically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. But yeah, pretty crazy how that worked out. He's been leading the way for the Cubs. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it, how it pans out or I think, yeah. Oh yeah. What I, what I should also mention their uh, schedule, their upcoming schedule. Uh, let's look at the upcoming schedule. So they have been in the in the ten game stretch. They've faced Washington, St. Louis, like I mentioned, and Pittsburgh, and they're going to be facing Cincinnati this upcoming weekend. But after that, this is where we're probably going to see the legitimacy of this uh, 2021 Chicago Cubs team. 
you know, Memorial Day and the two days after that, they're facing San Diego at Wrigley Field. Then they go on the road for a four-gamer in San Francisco. Then they go to San Diego to face San Diego for a three-gamer. And then a day off on June 10th and the weekend of June 11th to June 13th, they're playing at Wrigley Field against uh, their division foe, the St. Louis Cardinals. And then after that, June 14th through June 17th, they go to Queens to face the NL East leading New York Mets. So uh, in the next about three weeks, we will see the legitimacy of the Chicago Cubs possibly. Uh, there's a chance that it could go. I I don't see it going very well for them. I could see it could see it going okay for them, but I could also see it going very bad for them. That's right. Yeah. Um, so the other team is the Minnesota Twins. How do we feel about uh, the team from the Twin Cities? There's a lot of uh, ways to feel. So first of all, I'd like to preface this by saying Ken Rosenthal put out an article in The Athletic today uh, where he basically said, like, it's not time to count the Twins out. Uh, you know, they're still very much a thing. They've won their last four games. Uh, granted, they were against the Orioles and the Indians. No, not the Indians. Um, it was the Orioles and – no, it was the Indians. Yeah, it was the Indians in Cleveland. And um, they are now 20 and 29, which I know that isn't good, but I mean, you know, the, the 2019 nationals will tell you that that's okay. You know, they were 19 and 31. So that's the twins actually have more wins and less losses at the, around this time than the nationals did. And of course the year that they won the world series, uh, the twins are also kind of in a weaker division than the nationals were at that point. I'd say, uh, I mean, the Braves were nearly a 100 win team and the white Sox could certainly be that as well, but I mean, I don't think that I don't think there's any reason to count them out yet. And uh, since May 12th, the Twins offense has been very interesting. They're 12th in wins above replacement uh, from an offensive standpoint, but their BABIP as a team is 25th in the league. So, you know, it's pretty suggestive that they're getting very unlucky and that their offense is only going to get better. Uh, going forward. And I'd like to take a look at a few of the key performers since May 12th. Uh, leading the way, of course, is Rob Snyder, who everyone saw uh, leading the way for the Twins at the beginning of the year. He's slashing 400, 436, 657 over his last 12 games with 39 plate appearances, two home runs, seven RBI, a weighted runs created plus of 199. He leads the way with a 0.6 F4, tied with Miguel Sano, who has a natural 453 ISO. Uh, yeah, that's right. He's slashing 245, 310, 698 with seven home runs in his last 15 games. Uh, that's about a home run every other day. He's got a 172 weighted runs created plus. Uh, and Mitch Garver has also been uh, bringing on his little comeback tour. Uh, over over that same sample, he's slashing 300, 432, 533 for 171 weighted runs created plus, a walk rate of 18.9. Uh, so that's been pretty excellent. Nelson Cruz has been all right by Nelson Cruz. Standards, a 118 weighted runs created plus is still good, but I mean, you expect more out of a guy like him. And I was actually just mentioning to Chris, like maybe we see Nelson Cruz on the trade block this offseason, this uh, July. But you know what? If the Twins, if the Twins can get back in order, you know, we might not even be talking about that come two weeks from now because they got the Royals, the Orioles, and the Royals again coming up. So these are all winnable games against teams that they've done pretty well against in the past. You know, the Orioles, they're going for a sweep today. Uh, or no, they, they swept the Orioles today and, or yesterday, and uh, the Royals have been sliding. On the pitching 
side, the bullpen's been pretty excellent. It's been led by Taylor Rogers and Hansel Robles. Uh, the off the uh, starting rotation can still be better. Um, Randy Dobnock had six shutout innings in his last appearance, which is excellent. Jose Barrios has been pretty unlucky. ERA of 408. Uh, peripherals all suggest he'd be better. Uh, same thing with Kenta Maeda, but I believe he just hit the IL as well. Um, Jay Happ, um, I mean, he obviously he's struggled a lot in his last appearance. Uh, he has a 13 ERA over his last two starts. That's never good, but you know, he does have a 436 FIP. Uh, you can take that however you'd like to. I mean, he had 9.6 uh, or strikeouts per nine. Um, ultimately, I do think this team is going to turn it around. I still think they could at the very least finish 500 and put themselves in the race come July and not trade off guys like Nelson Cruz. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not time to count them out yet. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, probably uh, a wild card spot is more realistic for them. Although, uh, the, I think the Yankees and White Sox have the exact same record. I think they're both 28 and 20. So Sounds about right. they could end up, this could end up going similarly where, you know, the wild card teams have around the same record as a, as the AL central leader. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, if the twins want a shot at the playoffs, I think they might want to rely on the slowing down of possibly like the Red Sox who have been kind of yeah. over overperforming. I mean, like we talked about the 2019 nationals comparison, but Chris, one of the things that you banked on at that time was they were the best team in baseball from May 25th on. So, I mean, the twins are going to have to be the best team in baseball from now on if they want to make the playoffs. And I still think that they're capable of doing that. Um, It's, it is, I wouldn't say it's realistic. Like I wouldn't bank on it, but it's certainly possible. Uh, Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Uh, Yeah. That, yeah, to go back to the 2019 Nationals was, you know, after their 19 and 31 run, they went 74 and 38. That put them in a spot where they had gone 90, 93 and 69. And what should also be pointed out here, that year, Cleveland went 93 and 69. They missed the playoffs. So that doesn't even always guarantee a playoff spot, uh, even if you win 93 games and have a very good season, like both Nash, the Nationals and Cleveland did. And what should also be pointed out was the Nationals went 74 and 38. That's the exact same record the Astros had in that in their last 112 games. The Astros that season won 107 games. Yeah, they won 107 games that year. So you have to be on pace with like, you know, how good. I don't even know who the team would be this year you have to be as good as what the Dodgers could possibly be. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be very difficult. However, the twins are in a division where it's, it's sort of it's possible. possible. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they've certainly dug themselves a hole, you know, there's no doubt about that, but it's, it's one that they can get themselves out of. I believe in it. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, I think we've seen the twins go on kind of these hot streaks. Uh, maybe not, super long hot streaks but like in, in 2019 they kind of i, I don't know the when, entire... when their turning point was in 2019 well they were kind of up at the beginning like for the entire season it was it everyone kind of had this feeling of like all right well the twins are going to cool it down eventually and they never did yeah and by the way let me correct myself i think i th- said three time raining uh two time raining i meant for the twins yeah. but we we had them as three time raining because both of us had them winning the division this year or uh 
No, or did I don't, you have the White Sox? No, I had the White Sox. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's what that's what I had I in my head was I think you said three time reigning at one point, but that was the that was for the prediction. Um, but yeah, mm. yeah, because 2018 was Cleveland. Yeah, 2018 was Cleveland. But yeah, so yeah, it's a interesting path. Yeah, I'm gonna last thing I'll look at is the Twins from uh 2019 i yeah it it probably was like that where they you just expected them to cool down but it just never quite happened maybe i wasn't paying enough attention early in the season uh because yeah their offense yeah i mean just in the first half alone they were 56 and 33 and yeah they started out the season 17 and 9 so yeah that was a different situation but uh yeah we we'll see we'll see with the with the twins got to keep an eye out for them yeah uh, my favorite could... thing here is that williams Ostadio since may 12th has a 90 ra with a fip of 16.13 yeah i mean because he had no strikeouts and he gave up a home run that's a you know prototypical grade a volcano yeah williams Astadio. um all right so those were kind of the bubble teams that we're talking about pretty that, that, that piqued our interest today uh, on this uh, on this Thursday afternoon. Um, so yeah, now we can get into uh, you know the the uh, above replacement radio favorites. How about that? Uh, yeah, our, we're going to be talking about the players to highlight for good and bad reasons. We'll start with the good reasons for our. Thursday, May 27th, 2021 edition of How about that? So, what subject do you have to highlight for this uh for this how about that? If you're watching this on YouTube right now, just watch Chris's face as I read off this statistic cuz he's going to have the biggest smile on his face. I'm so, I'm talking about Yohan Moncada today of the Chicago White Sox staying in the AL Central. And uh, also saying with the the parameter date is May 12th, because that's what I did for the Twins. Since May 12th, Yohan Moncada is slashing 348, 531, 478 with a 1009 OPS. His 26.6% walk rate leads the majors. Uh, he also has a 500 BABIP since that date. And he is the only player in the majors since May 12th with one F war and 0.5 defensive runs above average. And as of right now, his BABIP on the season is a flat 400, similar to his 406 BABIP that he had in 2019. So if, if this continues, Yohan Moncada will become the 10th player in Major League history to have multiple qualifying seasons with a BABIP above 400. He will join a list with the names of Ty Cobb, Jesse Burkett, Ross Barnes, Ed Delahanty, Cap Anson, Rogers Hornsby, George Sisler, Shoeless Joe Jackson, and Billy Hamilton. Wow. That's who, that's who Yohan Moncada will be among if he can keep this this 400 BABIP on the year. So, wait, multiple seasons of 400 BABIPs? Qualifying seasons, yes. Yeah. So, also known as only player in the live ball era. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, Rogers Hornsby did it in 21 and 24. Oh right, yeah, Rogers. 
That's Fun fact: that's that's the most recent of the of the people who did it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Qual quality quality uh, list right there. Yeah, I, I I mean, when you're talking about Ross Barnes and Jesse Perkett. Yeah, Ross Barnes leading the Boston Red Stockings, giving Al Spalding the opportunity to have the highest career winning percentage of all time. That's uh, right. Despite having, you know, like a pretty good ERA, but not mm-hmm. nothing out of this world. I really hope P.O. Moncada can keep this going. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense because he strikes out a I lot. I mean, the other qualifying season he had was 2019. It's not like he, you know... Yeah, and it kind of makes sense for Mankata that he doesn't have like the average BABIP because he strikes out a lot, which doesn't doesn't count against your BABIP. And he when he hits when he puts the ball in play, it's getting hit very hard. So it kind of makes sense that uh, he's doing well in terms of BABIP, especially with three true outcomes being a thing. Like, because he's one of the bigger three true outcome guys in the league. Like he strikes out a lot, he walks a lot as he's on the line of 531 OBP would be a but linked with luck but like can you even call it luck if he's been doing it this long and this consistently yeah I remember in a group chat we were talking about like the greatest quote-unquote pure hitters of all time and it, you know like the obvious answers are like Tony Gwynn Rod Carew uh Rod Carew yeah, and I think Rod, Rod Carew had a BABIP, a career BABIP in like the 330s. So, you know, it's, you know, a career 400 BABIP obviously is not sustainable, no. but you can have a significantly higher BABIP than average. Because if you don't know, the average BABIP, generally speaking, is between like 290 and 305-ish. Well, if you have a lot of strikeouts, it makes sense that your BABIP would be above your average. Exactly, yeah. And that's what Yohan Moncada does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Yoan Mankata getting a big time. How about that? And by the way, when uh, Daniel mentions Billy Hamilton, that is not the uh, White Sox, the current White Sox Billy Hamilton. That is, was he a red? I th- or no, he wasn't. No, he was a, I forget what team he was on, but. An absolute legend. He was a red. He's mostly associated with the Reds. Billy Hamilton. Uh, well, who could forget when he came up? Who could forget when he when he came up with the uh, Kansas City Cowboys in 1888 yeah. with the American Association? Um, that was a big time. I remember he was ranked number four in uh, Baseball America, and uh, that was a big deal when he debuted. Yeah. Prospectus didn't like him as much though. They had him at like number thirty-three. Yeah, weird. I, I guess they didn't. Which is know, very weird. They didn't think his base running was going to translate to the major leagues, but he proved them wrong in eighteen eighty-nine yeah. when he stole one hundred eleven bases. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stole exactly. Peter Gammons loved him, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Peter Gammons. He was like he was only like fifty-two at the time, and he was <laughs> exactly. Uh, he was uh, really high on him. Even as kind of that was in like cool guy, his, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but uh, right. Billy, this Billy Hamilton uh, stole a hundred bases three consecutive years, uh, from his second year to his third yeah. year, and I guess 
his rookie year was 1889. So maybe pretty much his first three full seasons stole a hundred bags, but yeah, wonderful stat. Love. Thank you. Love to hear it. Uh, my, how about that? All right. For my, how about that? Let's turn back the clocks to December of 2019. Uh, you know, think about, you know, wonderful world back then, December of 2019. Uh, Cleveland had oh, just it was created... a, It was a much different world. Yeah, for sure. We were doing, we were yep. in a... I know we where were... this is going. I know where this is going. Yeah. We, we were in a radio studio when, uh, when this, when this happened. Cle- Cleveland traded Corey Kluber. To we didn't even Rangers. know how to pronounce this guy's name. Yeah, no. <laughs> Cleveland traded Corey Kluber to the Rangers for Delino to Shields and the number 30 prospect in the Rangers organization. And uh, man, were we, were we not happy about it? Were we thinking that the, that Cleveland was getting absolutely fleeced and Paul Dolan was just being his cheap self, even with the history of Cleveland kind of winning these types of trades. And uh, you know, in 2020, obviously, Corey Kluber pitches one total inning, a very good inning, might I add, but one total inning with Texas. And uh, that number 30 prospect in the Rangers organization that was traded over to Cleveland, his name is Emmanuel Clace, and he's been doing very well, especially Classe. in 2021. Oh, Emmanuel Clase. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Emmanuel Clase yeah. has turned out very Classe. well in the year 2021. I'm very glad you brought this up because I wanted to do it as well. Yeah. I was thinking of doing someone else, but I, it would have been a team repeat. We haven't done a Cleveland uh, player yet, so it's time mm-hmm. to do a Cleveland player for how about that. And uh, yeah, Emmanuel Classe. Amazing. Through 21 and two-thirds in his pitch, he has allowed two earned runs thus far. His average exit velocity against is in the 88th percentile and his hard hit percentage against is in the 86th percentile. And in the year 2021, he has a 72.3% ground ball rate and his line drive rate is 10.2 percentage points below league average. League average is 25.6%. Uh, the, uh, the line drive rate for Emmanuel Classe in 2021 is 15.4%. And his uh, cutter and slider each average a negative launch angle and the average batted ball uh, from from a Emmanuel Classe pitch uh, has a negative launch angle as well. So, you know, he's, he's actually not a strikeout guy for the, for the stuff that he has, you know, he throws over a hundred miles per hour on average with his fastball and his cutter. But he's not a strikeout guy, but he is getting very soft contact on his cutter. You know, you don't want to make a, uh, you obviously don't want to make a comparison to Mariano Rivera or anything, but he gets out, he gets outs in similar ways in that he throws his cutter, he gets ground balls. He's not a big strikeout guy, the same way Mariano Rivera wasn't really a big strikeout guy, had less than a strikeout per inning over his career, but the guy got a lot of weak contact from his cutter. Emmanuel Classe is doing uh, similar things with his cutter. And yeah, 
As a result, two earned runs in 21 and two-thirds innings pitch. That's a 0.83 ERA on the year for him. And uh, solidifying the back of that Cleveland bullpen and really making, and you know, I'll point at myself first, uh, I did not appreciate Kluber going to the Rangers for for him and De- Delino. De I, I felt even worse. Yeah. But uh, definitely this guy was wrong. Uh, I can point at myself. Uh, Cleveland pretty much has won the trade. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, the Rangers got a good little tweet out of it where they were like, be afraid AL West or something like that. And it was like a picture of Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber and Mike Miner. And all three of them were gone within six months of the tweet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Like I I bought into that Rangers staff. A hundred percent. I did too. Yeah. And man, it's like what they got Kyle Gibson as their four. Jordan Lyles had a good year the year before. Yeah. They got yep. him. And then, yeah, Mike Miner just. Mm-hmm. That was tough. With, that was tough. Yeah, Mike Miner just uh, did not pan out the way he did in 2019. Lance Lynn still did his thing. And then Corey Kluber, one inning, no earned runs, a 419 FIP, I remember. That's right. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Insane <laughs> how this has turned out for Cleveland. Cleveland keeps winning these trades, so uh, maybe I won't be as critical next time they do something uh, wacky. Uh, But yeah, so now uh, we go from the highs to the lows. We're talking about a team, uh, a player or subject that has not been pulling their weight. Uh, Now on to our Thursday, May 27, 2021 edition of Slightly Alarming. So who or what do you have uh, to talk about with slightly alarming today? Yeah, um, this player has a history of kind of just going on roller coaster seasons where like he'll do really well and then he'll get into a slump and, and it seems like there's no in between for him. Uh, but right now that roller coaster is going very far down. Uh, I'm talking about Jesus Aguilar, who mm-hmm. has been struggling lately for the Miami Marlins since May 15th. He is slashing 154, 154, 179, 333. Uh, that is no walks. And he also has a negative six weighted runs created plus. Uh, his 0.5 F4 since May 15th is the worst in baseball. And also since May 15th, he has nine batted balls that have been above 45 degrees. And uh, 45 degrees is almost never a hit unless it's like a shifts or misplays or the short ports at Yankee Stadium. Those are never hits. And as you can imagine, none of Jesus Aguilar's nine batted balls have been hits that were 45 degrees and up. And that is tied for the second most in baseball since May 15th. So Aguilar, he's kind of lost his launch angle a little bit. He's popping the ball up way more than he should be, uh, more than just about anyone else in the league. And it's been, it's been, there's been a correlation between that and his slump. Yeah. You know what, you know what he needs is he needs to, you know, a nice level swing, yeah. hit line drives, uh, you know, take it the opposite way, cut down on the strikeouts, and, you know, he will be a successful exactly. hitter. He will be a successful yeah. hitter yep. in the big leagues. Because I remember I watched Rogers Hornsby play, and he he was not all with mm, this and launching. He just, he just slapped the ball on the ground. 
Yeah, he was not with this launch angle stuff. I remember, yeah, all 42 of his home runs. Oh, this garbage, yeah. All 42 of his home runs in 1922 had a launch angle of zero or Or inside the park. Yes. They were all worm burners. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, Jesus Aguilar kind of popping the ball up. What the fuck? Looking. Slightly alarming. Look at this play. Hold on. What in the world just happened? Look at this play that happened in the Cubs Pirates game with Javier Baez. All right. Well, I... Like Chris, just go on Twitter right now and search Javier Baez. I promise you, this play will be. I. This is one of the, my favorite things about baseball is you can watch it for all your life and see something you've never before. I have just seen something I've never seen before. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna screen share it for the uh, audience. What? Captioned El Mago. El Mago magic. All right, let's take a look. Get a live reaction here. This is not even like as much on Javier Baez as it just is. What are the Pirates doing here? All right, let's take a look. Baez hits it on the ground to third. Gonzalez. So good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow! Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You've gotta be they kidding me! They stole a run. You have gotta be kidding me, Javi Baez. Keep going! Go! Go! Think you're invisible. El Mago, indeed. That is unbelievable. That is incredible. Yeah, that's that's completely the pirates. What in the world is that? Yeah, the... that is the most. You could have just stepped on first. <laughs> you could have just ran back to first. Yeah, the, there's. Yeah, there's two outs. The guy at second can do laps around the bases. It won't count if he get the out at first, obviously. What in what... the world? What are we doing? Uh, who's the number one? Draft prospect for 2021, or uh, oh yeah, or no, 2022. I have no idea. 2022. Uh, I have no idea. So they're really looking for that guy, I think, with with moves like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what in the world just happened? That's that's terrible. That's 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 tough to see uh, from Pittsburgh, but yeah. Baez, yeah, the, I guess. Uh, he hate to see it. He made something out of nothing there, Mr. Mr. Javi Baez. That's good to see. All right. So for my slightly alarming, it won't be the Pirates for that play, although they deserve one. Uh, my slightly alarming is Alec Bohm. Uh, this guy, you know, he. Oh, he man, this one hits deep because he's on my my F4 team. Yeah, he finished. He finished. uh third in the National League Rookie of the Year in the year 2020. Uh, and, you know, we had high hopes. I think for, he tied he, for second. Or, yeah, tied for second with Jake Cronenworth. And, you know, we were kind of high on him uh, into the season. We actually – we were he was in both of our preview questions. I think uh, I asked him – I asked you if 
whether he or Reese Hoskins would have the higher OPS. And I believe you said Alec Bohm, right? Yeah. And I also said, I also asked you what his ceiling is. And yeah. You said I, like high 800s. Yeah. I think I said my ceiling was an, was either a 925 OPS for him or a 950 OPS for him. And I, I definitely believe that, you know, he had a very good year last year. Slight disclaimer here also, though. He is getting a bit unlucky. Uh, so, we, you know, he hasn't been doing as bad as his average in OPS would say that he is, say that he has been. Uh, and in fact, he has the eighth largest negative difference between WOBA and expected WOBA out of 308 qualifiers. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that. So in uh, layman's terms, he's the eighth unluckiest out of 308 uh, qualifiers, on according to uh, StatCast slash Baseball Spot. However, his expected WOBA has still gone down 45 points from what it was last year. And he is hitting. So that's definitely a, a, a drop in production things that you can control. However, he is hitting 212 with a 567 OPS. And his strikeout percentage has gone from 20% to 28%. Along with that, defensively, he is digressed. He has negative four outs above average which is in the second percentile in all of baseball, according to Baseball Savant. And uh, it's really digressed in, you know, his performance has really digressed in the last seven games. In his last seven games, he is two for 22 with 10 strikeouts. And uh, he is also last in the MLB in baseball reference war this year in uh, 2021. So the guy's going through a bit of a sophomore slump. He is getting a bit unlucky, but also, uh, you know, his expected Woba has gone down 45 points. His expected Woba is still in the 37th percentile in all of baseball, and his defense has uh, digressed uh, pretty badly. So, Alec Bohm, so far, slightly alarming, but I think I think he will improve definitely as the as the season goes along, probably. You know, if yeah, it, I uh, I took a gamble on. Oops, go ahead. Yeah, I his goal should probably be to to get around like a 700 OPS, uh, for the for the year, and then it, it, his season will be somewhat salvaged. Yeah, uh, I took a gamble on him in my F4 league, and it didn't work out. Or it hasn't. It hasn't. It could still. You know, he's got time, but. Yeah, and they yeah, don't, he's been struggling this year. They don't account, especially for batting. They don't. They don't account for bad luck either. So, really getting screwed there. Mm. Um, but yeah, those were uh, those were our subjects to highlight. <clears throat> uh, definitely some some interesting how about that's for sure. Uh, all right, so that leads us into our preview previews of the weekend ahead. Uh, we're going to go about it a little differently than we have in the past. I'm still probably going to point out series to look at. Uh, Daniel's going to go day by day, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what to look at pitching matchups, pitcher batter matchups to look at. Uh, we will see. Uh, so yeah, Daniel, go ahead. What are you looking at this weekend? I want you to go first, so I don't pick anything from your series. All right, you did. You did tell me that. Uh, all right, so series to watch. Yeah. 
series to watch. Uh, so uh, an interesting series to look at uh, interleague-wise. You have Astros Padres. Um, that will be, I believe, that is a that is a three gamer. That's going to be interesting to watch because uh, you know Astros also at home in a full capacity full capacity crowd, I believe. So definitely some home field advantage there. Padres looking hot. Uh, Framber Valdez actually, yeah, Friday is going to be the battle of the injured. You have Framber Valdez, who has yet to make a start this year, versus Denelson Lamette, who has made one start this year uh, and then, you know, went back to the IL. So we will see who will survive the longest without without coming out of the game there. Not to make not to be harsh on, on the two. Just kind of ironic how that's been set up. Uh, no. Oh, wow. Saturday has a good pitching matchup on that. I think you're going to point out, but. Uh, back to Astros Padres. Then you have Jake Odorizzi versus Hugh Darvish. Hugh Darvish should probably take care of business there. And then Sunday, Sunday you have a uh, Zach Greinke versus To Be Determined. So pretty interesting matchup. And then uh, you know a series I highlighted last Thursday's episode uh, that will also be occurring this time in Los Angeles, Dodgers Giants. Uh, for obvious reasons, you got to be looking at that series going to have a lot, a lot of the same pitching matchups and this time it's going to be four games and in los angeles so maybe the giants can make up for the uh for them getting swept in their last series uh that should be very interesting uh what do you have to preview day by day yeah so on thursday um which I guess is later today if you're listening on drop day. Um, it's a Ray Day on Thursday. So, of course, Robbie Ray versus Jordan Montgomery, game two of the doubleheader. Uh, it'll finish after the 4.05 uh, start in the first game. So there's no set time on that. But, I mean, Robbie Ray is going to be on the mound. He's 2-1 and one with a 3-4-2 ERA. His, the walk issue seems to be gone, but he's got a home run problem, and he's going to be pitching in Yankee Stadium, which is, of course, a home run friendly ballpark. Uh, tonight at 9.40, you got Angels versus Athletics in Oakland. Shohei Otani versus Chris Bassett. Uh, Bassett has been pretty stellar lately. And Otani, of course, is Otani. Uh, he's a 2-3-7 ERA. On Friday, uh, you got Cody Poteet versus Martin Perez, which is definitely not a matchup I would have expected I'd be highlighting a month ago. But uh, Cody Poteet of the Marlins is 2-0 in his three starts with a 106 ERA. Martin Perez has been excellent over the last month or so. Uh, he's had an issue with innings, but other, other than that, he's been perfectly fine. Uh, like you mentioned, you got Lamette versus Valdez. Uh, that's just about uh, most of the big matchups on Friday. But on Saturday, you have John Means versus Lance Lynn in Orioles White Sox. John Means, of course, 4-0 and with a 1.79 ERA. Lance Lynn off the IL, 5-1 and with a 1.51 ERA. Uh, that's going to be an excellent one. It's going to be battle of basically the aces, even though the White Sox, I'd say they have, you know, better pitchers in their rotation, but I mean, Lance Lynn has been pitching like an ace since 2019. And then Sunday, you have two great matchups. Uh, and I believe they're at different times too. Yeah, they certainly are. So start your day on Sunday with a nice ace off at one Oh five at Brewers Nationals, you get Brandon Woodruff versus Max Serger. Serger is four and three with a two two seven. Woodruff three and two with a one four one. And then after that game is over, 
at 410, you have Kevin Gosman, 5-0 with a 1-5 ERA against Clayton Kershaw, who needs no introduction. So that's what I've got on my radar this weekend. Yeah, that is uh, that's big time. And I think uh, a narrative that hasn't been talked about, and we'll pro- we can probably go more in depth later, but I think previous to this season, we saw the starting pitcher free agent market as very weak, but I think Kevin Gossman is emerging as a guy that can mm-hmm. get a lot of money if he keeps this going uh, as, well, as we go on. In fairness, he's a guy who just took the qualifying offer. Yeah. But I'm I'm saying uh, so he wasn't next, exactly a free agent. Next year's free agent class. Oh, next year's starting pitcher market. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because yeah, like the the biggest the biggest name, the biggest name was Lance McCullers Jr. and then he signed an extension, so it looked very weak. Uh, for the 2020. It's basically Max Serger. Yeah, and now 20, possibly Kevin Gosman. Yeah, the 2021 to 22 class, but like Max Scherz is going into a like a Justin Ver or Justin Verlander type situation where Verlander 36, 37. Yeah, Verlander got a two years, 66 million, a, a two year, 66 million dollar extension. I think after 2018. Yeah, after 2018, uh, Scherz is going probably going to be getting that type of deal. Mm-hmm. Gosman uh, is you know entering his early 30s i think he's still like 29 years old he could be getting a lot of change uh if uh if he keeps this going but that can that's a narrative that will be talked about throughout this season and into the off season uh we can definitely get into that uh but yeah that's that's something that's kind of surprised me all right so uh i think we made a, we made a lot out of this episode that i did not expect we did i did not expect we could we were gonna do but we hope you enjoyed this. Yeah, one. We're like just shy of an hour right now. Correct. Yeah. Started about one fifteen ish and uh, it's currently two Oh seven. Um, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening to Apple podcast or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, or if you wanted to watch that, uh, Javi Baez uh, clip, if you haven't caught it, uh, we, we, sh- we screen shared it on, uh, on our YouTube channel It is called above replacement radio. And uh, go ahead and subscribe to that and watch the playlists and stuff. Some cool content on there. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show updates and uh, all the show needs. So we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you uh, on Monday, where we will be talking about all the happenings and probably all the all the matchups and series we just previewed. So we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>